Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. It takes a lot of perseverance and a little bit of luck. I think that perseverance is key, especially in the earliest stages. And then I think in company building, culture is so important. And it's so important to get right from day one because that really sets your culture going forward. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. to the We Are LA Tech podcast. So excited for our next guest, someone I've known in the Los Angeles tech community for ages. She is one of the original community builders in Los Angeles. It is such a treat to have her on the podcast. I'd like to welcome Jackie. Thanks, Esprit. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, where in LA are you based right now? I'm in Santa Monica. You're in Santa Monica too. I'm in Santa Monica as well. And you've been around LA or have you always been in the Santa Monica area? I've mostly been on the west side, never lived east of the 405. So I was in Brentwood when we first met and then I moved to Santa Monica. Then I did a little stint in the Bay and now I'm back in Santa Monica. I have a over 20-year career in tech. Started as an engineer, self-taught engineer during the first dot-com bubble. I had a mobile game company. I had a digital agency. About 10 years ago or so, I had made the transition to more of the product side of things. So at this point, I'm a highly technical product person, which means I know just enough to be dangerous. But also, it means that I kind of have eternal beginner's mind. I don't know enough to know why we can't do something. So, It was our little community that created what Los Angeles Tech is today, which is a city, I believe we're like top two or three in the world for startups. People move to Los Angeles like crazy in order to pursue technology and startups. Now, when you go into a coffee house, you hear about building a startup and not about writing a script like it used to be. What was LA Tech like back then when? we were just kind of all in someone's backyard versus today where it's this city thriving with technology. Yeah. Well, so like you mentioned, we all fit in one photo. It's South by Southwest, all of us. And so it was a much smaller community. A lot of it, I think, initially came out of entertainment. And I think it's, it's, it's grown from there. I moved back here from the Bay because I was starting a company and I was really excited to, to come back to L.A. to do that. What are the differences between the Bay Area and here? And not necessarily this exact moment, because I hear the Bay Area is going through a lot of 
changes, <laughs> metamorphoses. Why here versus there when they have so much resource? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, back when we were first getting things going here in LA over a decade ago, there was a pretty drastic difference, right? All the, all the venture capital was up there. You had to go have meetings on Sand Hill Road. All of the big tech companies were there. And that was part of the reason that I actually moved up there eight or nine years ago because I had uh, taken a little break from tech to do some stuff in music. I DJed and produced music for a little while. And when I decided to go back to my career in tech before I didn't have one anymore, I really felt like the Bay would be the place to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now COVID changed everything so much is done virtually. Most of the conversations that I'm having are via Zoom anyhow. And as you mentioned, the Bay Area has been going through some changes. And I just find the environment in Los Angeles to be much more hospitable, mm. especially being an early stage founder and all of the challenges that come with that. One of the benefits I heard about being in the Bay. And I'm someone who used to fly to San Francisco every single week for my company back in the day when I was raising money and then going through all these things. So I'm very familiar with the resource in the Bay Area. One of the things that I heard is a huge advantage is that you could literally be anywhere and form the right connections to accelerate your company. Since we have such a, a spread out geography here in Los Angeles, do you find that that's missing here? Do you find that you just have to go to the right place? Like, how do we replace that? Because that's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's much more concentrated, certainly in the Bay Area. It's a lot easier to make connections. You know, I think it's mostly perseverance and a little bit of luck. And I think you can optimize luck by being in the right place at the right time. And the Bay Area being a little more condensed, it's a little easier to be in the right place at the right time. But I really do think that COVID changed a lot of that. A lot of things have gone virtual. And since I've been back, I mean, we're here at the Bioscience LA building, and I've been to three or four like really great networking events and panels that have gone on here. So it seems like there is a much higher concentration. And, you know, I live in Santa Monica. This is Culver City. I don't have to go very far. It's true. Before I get more into just the, the LA culture, et cetera, because... What's so important to me is that LA wouldn't be what it is today without you. I think it's really important that, you know, that, that saying, like, remember where you came from? And as time goes on, people that are moving here this week, next week, last week, they don't know the OGs that made all of this possible. And I just wanted, what's that stupid, like, clubhouse saying, give you your flowers? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to like, I was really excited to be like, yo, everybody needs to know Jackie. Like that's where it's at. She created this whole thing and it elates me to give you a spotlight so that everybody new to the city understands the work that you invested in, in making it what it is today. Speaking of your worked very specifically in the tech space, walk us through your company today and what led to you building it. I started this company about a year ago. It's called Blind Insight, and we're a private database. So we allow data to be analyzed while it's still encrypted. So for a long time, we've had encryption at rest and encryption in transit solved. But when you want to use data and analyze data, you have to decrypt it, and then it's exposed or non-compliant. And I guess around 2017, I became aware of some privacy-preserving cryptographic protocols and really, really fell in love with that space. I started reimagining 
sort of all of the things that I thought were broken with Web 2, with this sort of added layer of trust and privacy. Um, and that's really where this started. The technologies that were state-of-the-art at the time weren't really capable of doing the kinds of real-time software layer things that I was interested in building. And so I waited and I waited. And then about a year and a half ago, I learned about some new research bubbling up, mostly from university settings, and decided it was start, time to start the company. And walk us through who is your customer, who should be paying attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, long term, I think... We have an opportunity to be very horizontal. When I first started doing the research for this company, I would come across highly regulated industry after highly regulated industry. So in healthcare, for example, it takes decades to get life-saving treatments to market. And that's because the same regulations that are there for good reason to protect individuals' privacy are also hurting people in a way because they're causing these treatments to take so long to get to market. And so, you know, being an early stage company, you're looking for your wedge, you're looking for your beachhead market, and highly regulated industries move slowly, especially healthcare, because you can't move fast and break things in healthcare because the things you break are people. So you need to move very thoughtfully. And then more recently, we're really hearing a lot of more retail and consumer B2C use cases popping up enterprise retail brands that are looking for novel data protection solutions. Tell us about your team. What's your team like? And why is your team the right team to take your company to the top? Yeah, so my team is amazing. I'm so blessed to have them. I started this out as a solo journey. So I was a solo founder for the first almost year of the company. And I had Nick Sullivan, who was the head of research at Cloudflare, join as an advisor about a year ago. Three months ago, he left Cloudflare and now has come to be a co-founder on this project. That's um, wicked. It's That's amazing. So cool. Yeah. So Nick is just amazing. He's one of the most product-oriented and you know high EQ cryptographers I've ever met. He's really, really excited to see us, you know, to see some of the stuff that's been coming out of research commercialized and get it into people's hands. So incredibly blessed to have him. And then similarly, Chris Capriccio, who was VP of engineering at LegalZoom for many years, joined as an advisor a year and a half ago, actually, when we were first, first starting out. And so he since has also joined as a technical co-founder. And so incredibly blessed to have both of them on the team. We have a couple of folks, also some software engineers, one, a couple of them that I've worked with for many, many years. We're currently talking to a couple of candidates. So we had a contract applied cryptographer to get us to where we are now. And now that we're raising a proper round, we're talking to really, some really exciting candidates to fill that role as well. Is this anything like the companies that you've built in the past? It is not very much like the companies I've built in the past, actually. So this is, you know, my first B2B SaaS company, and it's definitely a different animal, but I'm really enjoying learning about the space. What has been your core competency through and through? Like, are you the engineer? Are you the product visionary? Are you the product designer? Are you the leadership visionary? What is your core competency, the through line between all your companies? Yeah, I think my core competency is that I am a highly technical person with a lot of experience in product and UX and meeting users where they are and really developing that sort of empathy with users that's necessary to really craft a product that is easy to use and also achieves the goals that users are, are interested in achieving. Have you all raised so far? Are you looking to raise? 
Yeah, we've raised a bit. So we, we did a friends and family round. And then we also were recently part of the most recent batch at 500 Global. So we raised a bit from them. And then we That's opened. exciting. Yeah, thank you. It is exciting. Um, that, that was really good for us. We were at this stage where we didn't quite have enough. You know, the, the market's changed so much over the past year and a half. And the bar keeps getting kind of higher and higher. And so it was a great opportunity to, for us to sort of make that headway that we needed to make to be able to open up a real pre-seed round, which we did a little over a month ago. If you're comfortable with this question, what's the main challenge that you're currently looking to overcome in building the company? Um, let's see. The main challenge. It's like, which one of 100 each day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think, you know, really for us, the, the main challenge is really we're a security company. And so we are basically selling trust, but we're an early stage company. We haven't necessarily earned that trust ourselves. And so we've talked to probably dozens of folks who are interested in working with us. And it's really who's going to go first, right? So who are those design partners that are experiencing the pain at a level that's high enough that they're willing to work with a younger company? I was going to say, why should someone choose you versus a competitor? There really aren't that many competitors in the space that are able to do what we're doing, which is real-time analytics on encrypted data at the software layer. We just had a meeting with a big healthcare company yesterday, and they mentioned it was really refreshing because I think a lot of these companies are kind of hand-wavy in a little Mm. black box. And, you know, I think with us, you kind of, you get what you see. How is building this company different than building your previous companies? What are some of the pros and cons of now and then a pro and con of then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so actually this is my first venture-funded company. I bootstrapped the first four companies that I did, so... That's exciting. It's <laughs> it exciting, exciting. because not because it's venture backed. I mean, that is exciting as well. It's exciting because it's a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. is a new adventure. When I first started thinking about starting this company, I left my previous full time job and people were writing checks off of Notion documents with no product, no customer, just kind of based on founder and team. As we sort of got to clarity on what this was going to be and who it was for, and who the right investors were for us, the market changed drastically. It went pretty sideways. The goalposts kept kind of getting higher and higher. It seems like investors are taking longer with diligence. They're being a lot more cautious. Ultimately, I think that's a good thing because I think there was a lot of money that was flying around and going into companies that, you know, maybe folks should have done a little more diligence on. So it's exhausting, but I, I think overall for the environment in general, it's actually a good thing. Do you find for yourself in your journey building a company that it is more enjoyable, as enjoyable as it could be? I mean, I'm a founder too. I get it. It's a hard life. Is it more enjoyable now for you or was it more enjoyable then? I think it's enjoyable in different ways. So there's nothing I would rather be doing. I definitely don't want to like go have a full-time job working for somebody else's company right now. This is exactly where I want to be. I have zero complaints. It is exhausting. I'm exhausted. Um, But it's very, very rewarding. Back in the day, there was a little more leeway, right? You could have a little kind of more fun and you could kind of move a little bit more slowly. And now, because there is so much more concentration and there are so many more tech companies, that makes it a little more competitive and you have to be responsive to that. How do you see being a successful founder. It's something I think about all the time. A founder I really look up to is, if I'm pronouncing his name right, Stephen Barlett. He has a podcast, Diary of a CEO. 
And he's always exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and I look up to him because I, I like his work and what he does, but I also don't look up to that he's always exhausted. And I too have spent my career really depleted. And lately I've been asking myself, is the only way to be a successful founder to completely self-sacrifice all of our energy or is there a way to rest and be, <laughs> be a founder? I mean, genuinely, what do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah. So I think, you know, part of it depends on what industry you're in, how fast that industry is moving, how competitive it is. I think that there's probably an opportunity to be more, a little more relaxed. Also, how novel your idea is, right? And how well you can kind of stay under the radar while you're moving slowly. But I think also for me, I don't really notice the difference between hard and easy that much anymore. Mm. Um, it's like getting a tattoo, right? You go get the tattoo and it's painful, but then it's over and you have this hopefully beautiful tattoo for right, the rest of your right. life. I don't mind hard. And I've had the luxury of being able to approach business at my own pace for many, many years and intentionally decided to do this, um, you know, knowing how much work it would be. My mindfulness practice is really helpful also. Can you share with us a little bit about what that entails? Sure. I mean, I've been, you know, a daily meditator just about some days I don't make it to the cushion for almost a decade now. That really has helped me with mm. that perspective, right, of hard and easy is kind of subjective, right? And at the end of the day, you're going to accomplish something. It could be hard, it could be easy, and you're going to get to the end, and then it, you're going to look back, and you're not even going to really remember how hard it was. So, um, you know, perfectly happy to be challenged in that way mm. and, and sort of lean into it. I do make sure I get plenty of sleep, so I'm exhausted, but I still get eight and a half hours of sleep at night. I try not to work late into the night. I try not to work too much on the weekend. Sometimes I end up doing that a little bit. When you say that word, I'm exhausted, and you're getting the eight and a half hours sleep, which is amazing, does exhausted mean something else to you? I'm reflecting on this right now. Like, as I think about the word exhausted for myself, I'm like, maybe I'm, I'm exhausted by self-sacrificing when I don't want to, showing up in ways that don't feel good to me. Like, like maybe exhausted doesn't actually mean energy levels. It means being like off rhythm of how I genuinely want to be living, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I am living the way I genuinely want to be living right now. And it really is energy levels. And I think it has more to do, you know, it's a high pressure situation right now. We're yeah. in the middle of a fundraise. We're very early wearing a lot of hats. It's only going to get easier from here. We'll have more resources. We'll have more people, have more thought partners and collaborators. There's bound to be some extra stress hormones, some extra yeah. cortisol running through your body. And I think that can make you feel depleted. And for me anyways, and the way that my body works, and that's just kind of the deal I am, you know, working on it. I'm actually getting a continuous glucose monitor and I'm like constantly doing levels, some, some biohacking. Um, I'm trying to decide which yeah. one I could get. But, <laughs> I used you to know. do levels. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, it's an opportunity to be more thoughtful about my wellness because I'm sort of forced to do that. Totally. I've been thinking about this so much because I was born a founder. It's in my blood. I've, I've tried to do things that are not being a founder and they don't feel right. But I am exhausted of being exhausted. <laughs> and so I've been asking myself a lot lately, like, how can I make everything easy? How can I make everything simple? How can I feel rejuvenated all the time? And is this possible to feel 
totally energized and be a founder. It's something I'm in a total discovery process. I have not hit the end. I'll let you know. I'll give you the memo <laughs> yeah, if I find please. the secret <laughs> tree. I would love yeah. I would love if you would share your notes. I'm trying to figure this out myself. <laughs> so what are some of the resources here in Los Angeles that have really helped you accelerate? Because I have a history here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and I had a, a really wonderful network. Some of the earliest investors, the anchor investor in our friends and family round, Ken Hertz, who's a longtime friend, who's backed me before, was our first investor. And a lot of that was just due to relationships. I think I mentioned I've been to some events at Biosci- here at Bioscience LA and have met a lot of really high quality people through those things. As an amazing business leader, what's one characteristic that you think we should all improve to really drive results? What kind of results, actually? Like, whatever's true for you. Like, for example, if I were answering the question, one of the things that I think that I really need to improve in my leadership is boundary setting, having true clarity of, like, what outcome I want from where I invest my time. For you, it could be an entirely different thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's a couple of things. So I think on the – just on the early stage startup side of things, and this is something that Ken Hertz said and. Maybe I'll do my 16-bar conscious entrepreneurial (laughs) (laughs) hip-hop lyrics that I wrote. But, you know, it takes a lot of perseverance and a little bit of luck. I think that perseverance is key, especially in the earliest stages. And then I think in company building, culture is so important. And it's so important to get right from day one because that really sets your culture going forward. And the founding team is just crucial I think having an environment where you can have open, honest, direct, and immediate feedback is also really, really important. I asked you about the company challenge. What is a challenge that you've had that you've already overcome? And how did you overcome it? I think a challenge that I have overcome is I used to let things keep me up at night. Mm. Um, So as, as exhausted as I am now, I was even more exhausted. I wouldn't sleep. And then I was exhausted and so that I would be drinking Red Bulls and, you know, that's not sustainable. And really what I learned to do is just tell myself this stuff's all going to be here tomorrow. Mm. You'll be better able to deal with it if you get a good night's sleep and take a step away from things that used to maybe stress me out and keep me up at night, which really has allowed me to move more thoughtfully through the process. I can totally relate. I used to drink those uh, five-hour energy drinks religiously, and I I wouldn't sleep until my eyes, like, painfully would force themselves shut. It's so Mm -hmm. different than how I am now. (laughs) Same. Yeah, I'm in bed at, like, 9.30 or 10 every night. Right? I'm like, 9 p.m. Yes. I'm like, I just want to wake up at (laughs) 5. Absolutely. I like waking up when it's still dark outside. I feel like it's my little secret world. Yeah, me too. You know, that used to be really tough for me to do. and But, you know, that's in the morning. I'm usually reading a Dharma book and I'm taking some time to meditate. I'm yeah. going out and I'm getting a walk. So I'm getting the red light before I expose myself to the blue light of the computer screen all day. And that stuff really makes a huge difference. So I'm really, really glad to have that time. 100%. If people are going to refer you, who are the customers and partners that would be really useful for you to uh, be connected to? Yeah, so I'm really, really excited about B2C consumer retail use cases, mainly because they have a lower regulatory burden and are bound to move a little more quickly. And then, you know, healthcare is long term, an area that I personally 
believe and really would like to have an impact in. You know, I've worked a lot over my career in healthcare and health tech. We are talking to some folks in that arena and specifically sort of mid-stage health tech startups, right, that aren't necessarily regulated as medical devices, but still are dealing with large amounts of PHI and want to make sure that they're keeping that data protected and maybe don't have the resources to build, you know, bespoke solutions in-house. Who is a person or a company in the Los Angeles tech space who's really impressed you? Ken Hertz, who is the anchor investor in our friends and family round, he's on something like 150 cap tables. And I really don't think angel investors get enough credit. I certainly could not have done what I've done so far without the angel investors that believed in us early on. So shout out to Ken Hertz. Thank you. And super cool that he's based here in Los Angeles. We always hear about all the investors being in Silicon Valley. So it's nice to see that he's an active LA investor. Yeah, and has been for some time. And he really contributes a lot to the community. He was doing TEDx Hollywood for a while. He's constantly putting on events and making introductions. And he's just, I don't know how he has the energy, actually. <laughs> Talk, we were talking about energy earlier. And I, I think I just need to ask Ken what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Jackie. I appreciate you spending the time with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Esprit. It's been really great. Thanks for having me. And where should they connect with you? They can email me. They, they can go to our website, blindinsight.com, or they can email me, Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, at blindinsight.com. And should anyone connect with you on social media? Or are um, you off the social? <laughs> I am not so much on the socials. I have a private Instagram account that I don't really use very much. I'm on Twitter, and I try to pop on there maybe once a week. I'd say LinkedIn is probably where I'm the most active. Cool. So they'll look at you up on LinkedIn, and we'll also link to you in the show notes. If you want to connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the Los Angeles tech space, remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at wearelatech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you talk to all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Jackie Peters, founder and CEO of Blind Insight. Blind Insight is an early stage private database that allows organizations to get insights from sensitive data while remaining compliant and secure. I live in Santa Monica and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by... Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.